Hey everyone, what's going on? It's Matt here, joined as always with um, Lucas the Impenetrable Luna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's my nickname. <laughs> you just come up with that, like literally. Right I did now. on the spot. Yeah, right. Impenetrable. Yeah. I like Lucas that. the Impenetrable Luna. Yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> wow, we're off to a great start. We, um, you, you know, I, I'd love to hear from the fans on this. We have a pretty set in stone uh, opening we do for um, <laughs> our normal our video episodes. Game. So yeah. maybe maybe a fan would like to write us a jingle, perhaps, for how we can open or, any, or anything's possible. Uh, if you have any ideas on that, you can write in at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. Join our Discord as well. Find that on thanksforplaying.live or any of our socials, DFP podcasts. Um, let us know. But um, also, you know, I mean, I can only ask Lucas how he's doing so many times in a day, you know? Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I think we've, I've gotten into this trope a little bit before, but, I mean, Lucas and I are regularly talking throughout the day as is, like, well before we get to recording. And then <laughs> when it's time to record, it's like, I know how Lucas is doing. And then beyond that as well, I already recorded it once with Lucas today because we're doing a double recording session. So I'm just, I'm very in tune with how Lucas is right now. I'm doing um, great. Thanks for asking. He's doing great. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, doing just, great. it's been great, you know, uh, awesome Labor Day weekend Been playing games. And, th- you know, thank you, Matt, again for Hey, I do have a question, that. actually. How did you like Shang-Chi? I haven't seen it yet. I'm very excited. Oh, yes. I just saw Shang-Chi yesterday. Um, I went to a very awesome special screening at the Directors Guild of America. Shout out to my brother, uh, Shea William Vanderport, a card-carrying director at the DGA. Um, it was awesome, man. I saw the director. Uh, he did a Q&A after the screening, uh, talked about the film. Uh, it was it was really cool. I, I'm Honestly, I haven't been watching a lot of the Marvel content since Endgame finished up. And... Honestly, for, for me personally, I feel like I kind of became a little oversaturated with some Marvel stuff. I think I think many many people might have felt this way. But Endgame finished up. It was such a high. It was 10 years in the making. It was like basically my whole childhood and <laughs> young adulthood yeah. um, waiting for Endgame to happen. And it finally happened. And it's like, okay, well, let's cool it off for a couple years and not go see. I, I mean, I would see every single Marvel movie in the theater probably between like 2014 to 2018 um i pretty much i watched every, i know i watched every single movie that came out during that time and then i think i skipped a little bit 2018 19 and then and then it's all in game uh and shang chi i mean it was the, probably the first proper one i've seen uh definitely since since then uh in the theaters and i gotta say it was pretty cool reminding me again of why i like marvel movies and just having a good time watching a marvel movie in a movie theater um the action was awesome, uh, and I'm hitting spoiler territory. Uh, Wait, I actually, you know, I won't hit spoiler territory at Do all. Do not. I'm not so I don't. I'm, I don't <laughs> want to be spoiled. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I won't. I won't go spoiler. Um, it was just really fun and really cool. Exactly what you expect from a Marvel movie. Um, a lot of great fantasy elements. Uh, great acting. Great to see some Asian representation with my Asian brothers and sisters out there. Um, it was really, really cool. Oh yeah, I love that. Well. Today is not yet our Marvel episode. We will have that eventually, though, I'm sure. But, Lucas, today you are breaking down for us Battle Royales. Yes, Battle Royales today. So, Battle Royales, we've all played them. We love them. We hate them. Um, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's, <laughs> that's a fair way to describe them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
And Battle Royales, I think this is going to be kind of one of those topics that's still in the making. Um, oftentimes, I've covered topics that are specific game genres. Uh, I think we did a history of fighting games recently. I once did, uh, we did the Fall of the Dreamcast um, not too long ago. And, you know, covering a particular historical event where all the facts are set in stone. I don't think this Battle Royale episode is quite going to play out the same way because the story is still currently being written with Battle Royale games. We're in the midst of the Battle Royale era. Yeah. I mean, we are in the Battle Royale era, I would say. It's like everything, it, it is the dominant game genre. Um, it is one of the most watched game types on Twitch. Um, it's just an in incredible phenomenon that has really taken over the world, really just in the last three or so years. Three to four years, a very, very short time period for uh, a whole a whole genre to come about and yeah. really get invented and take take over the mainstream. It's just phenomenal what's been going on with Battle Royale games. And um, I became interested in researching it. I told Matt I really wanted to go for it and um, kind of dove in. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit of quick history of Battle Royales, which, uh, you know, are, do doesn't go back so far which is interesting, and uh, talk about where I think they're going to be heading, um, how much how much money they're making currently, which, spoiler alert, a lot <laughs> of money is being made in Battle Royale no games doubt. right now, and um, sort of where we're at culturally, I'd say. So, uh, Matt, I'm going to go ahead and dive in. Please do, King, please do. I'm excited because uh, Battle Royales are so like relevant right now, and I mean, we you think about how some of the biggest streamers' careers were built in like how kind of streaming has been brought more reins mainstream you know it really was through like Fortnite, you know like ninja playing with drake and all these other rappers and stuff and like th those are the games that really kind of led to the celebrity status and explosion status that so many streamers got to you know you're thinking like ninja tfue uh pokimane valkyrae um you know, um, myth there's so many like tim the Tapman, lupo i was gonna say yeah um I feel like all these guys, you know, like Nick Marks, all these people, all these streamers, their careers, obviously, to be clear, they all worked very hard before this, you know, and they all, um, you they know, all were grinding, they all were grinding well before this, but this is really what brought everyone into the limelight. And also, you know, just streaming aside has brought kind of more attention onto gaming now, I think, too. You'll hear professional i mean I, I keep up with soccer a lot and you'll hear professional soccer players about how they just like play a bunch of Fortnite now and stuff right you it's know insane. five years ago you wouldn't hear about how or 10 years ago you know a professional soccer player wouldn't tell you about how they're playing wow you know you yeah know, it's uh, it's much different now in that regard and it's very interesting for sure for sure and uh i'm gonna get into all that i mean i, I do have that 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 i think that ninja drake moment was a huge turning point pop culture, video games in general, and it was a BR game. So I definitely got to dive into that. But first, I want to talk BR definition, okay? I have it written here. An online multiplayer arena game with a last man, last man standing goal, often blending scavenging, exploration, and teamwork. Would you say that's, that's fair? Yeah, last man standing is the most accurate you can be. Mm -hmm. uh, often, but not all the time, uh, parachuting in onto an island or an enclosed space yes. um, that eventually gets smaller and smaller, and then people start fighting each other in smaller and smaller areas, eventually leading to one person living. Um, now, to be clear, 
The idea of a bunch of people having to survive on an island in an enclosed space and fight to the last man standing is a story that's as old as the human race. Yes. One of the biggest modern inspirations is the 2000 Japanese film Battle Royale. Uh, yeah, exactly. Based on about. the 1999 novel. Now, uh, you'll find, if, if you just start looking at the, the modern pop culture sort of zeitgeist approach to Battle Royales, you're going to find Battle Royale, the film, pretty much there uh, on every on every single list. There's actually a really wonderful Ringer article on this. Um, you can find it. It's called, um, it's, it's theringer.com. If you go there and kind of Google Fortnite, Battle Royale, um, Hunger Games, The Purge, that's the, the main URL. Um, but basically, the, the, the headline for this Ringer article that says a lot of this is the Japanese thriller that explains Fortnite and American, American pop culture in 2018. Um, basically, uh, written by Justin Charity. Excuse me. Uh, Justin Charity makes the claim that Battle Royale, the 2000 film based on the 1999 novel, create a lot of terminology and kind of the pop culture... Cr- spewed or, or kind of kickstarted the pop culture zeitgeist when it came to stuff like this and for those of you that don't know this film watch it immediately watch it right away um it spawned a number of different things it actually has a manga series um it has gotten a sequel in japan oh, really? <laughs> and yeah it has there's a battle royale too um and they have tried to americanize do an american remake multiple times um but heavily inspired stuff like the hunger games and the purge which everybody knows in America these days. Um, But the story basically is um, 42 third-year junior high school students are forced onto an island where they must fight to the death with a randomly assigned weapon along with a map. Um, It takes place in a dystopian future in Japan where the government kind of has totalitarian control on the whole population. I'm sorry, Matt. Have you ever seen Battle Royale? I didn't even ask that. Uh, I've seen bits and clips of it, I think. I, I... I, I can't say I've earnestly seen the whole thing through. I okay. just feel like I've seen a bunch of like YouTube clips of it. Yeah, for sure. Certainly. I've seen, I've seen this movie a number of different times. Um, it's kind of influential. I mean, not just in pop culture, but in, in film specifically too. Uh, Quentin Tarantino praised it as his favorite film released since Tarantino he started. Loves dur- he loves it. It, it in 2009, Quentin Tarantino praised it as his favorite film released since he started directing in 1992. That's incredible. Literally, yeah. On the, like, it's. I mean, that just tells you, like, you know, if you're if you like some Tarantino stuff, you will you will really like Battle Royale. It's a huge influence on him for sure. Um, Hunger Games comes a generation after this comes out. Um, obviously, less less violent and less uh, kind of crazy as Battle Royale, but obviously popularizing the concept of fighting to the death um, for a wider American audience. And kind of the, just to get back to the setup of Battle Royale, you know, totalitarian Japanese government uh, wanting to control the population and keep the rowdy teenagers in check um, kind of uses the idea of a Battle Royale to instill fear into the youth, saying, hey, if you guys act up or misbehave, we're sending you all to that island. We're going to have to kill each other. And the mechanics of the game or, you know, the, the thing that they're put through, the Battle Royale, is... Each student is given a collar around their neck that uh, ha- that keeps track of every single student on the island, so nobody can really escape. And uh, at given at different given intervals throughout 
the the next few days that the students are going to be on this island, depending on where they're at on a um, in on the island, their shot collars are going to blow up and just instantly kill them. So it actually forces all the students to kind of move around the island and encounter each other. And each student is given a random weapon along with a map. So it's actually very similar to battle royale video games that we play these days, right? Yeah. Everybody has a map. Uh, not everybody's given a weapon. But uh, you're scavenging for weapons, in a sense. And in Battle Royale, the movie, as the children kind of kill each other and die or whatever, they are perhaps taking each other's weapons and doing things like that. I won't spoil too much, but everybody, go check out that movie if you haven't seen it. I just kind of gave you the basic setup. Um, kind of a almost a cliche at this point, um, but you know, still, you, you should probably watch the, the movie that kind of brought it all forward. Um, so with the influence of Battle Royale on the film, um, you know, on the Hunger Games and the Purge, which was a huge wave in my middle school and high school years, it was very natural for video games to kind of have a natural extension for this desire. I guess the, the zeitgeist was really calling for this trend to hit video games, right? Now, with video games, uh, I mean, I'll ask you, Matt, it, <laughs> think back to 2010. Yeah. Xbox Live, peak Xbox Live era. We're playing Call of Duty. We're loving it. We're playing like, what, five on five, four on four? Five on five, four on four, six on six search, variety, yeah. Yeah, so you have a lobby with a relatively small map, 10 to 12 players max, right? That was what we had the ability to handle back then. And, I mean, take your everybody out there, take yourselves back to 2010. This was basically the dawn of streaming services internet speeds weren't as fast uh the infrastructure for internet fast internet was not built as well at that point and we were we were so used to kind of the the lobby driven game system that we had been that we had been given right where you go into a match you see everybody's username you play a team-based five on five and you fight each other in a small arena you spawn here you fight you spawn you fight you spawn you fight Five years later, I think, well, five years later, the technology advances to the point where we're ready for something a little bigger, right? So we're growing up. We're growing up. We're growing up. And we get some of the first standalone BR games in uh, 2015, 2016. Now, to be clear, there were games that have come around uh, in the BR genre. Uh, in 2012, 2013. These were early, early mods of things like Minecraft and Arma 2. Not technically considered to be standalone uh, Battle Royale games. I was going to say, is H1Z1 the Arma 2 one you're thinking of? So there's Day... There, it, it gets a little bit confusing. So there's DayZ, which is a mod of Arma 2. And then there's H1Z1 and uh, H1Z1 King of the Hill. And then there's rebranded to Z1 Battle Royale in 2017, 2018, I gotcha. believe. So it gets a little confusing because um, H1Z1 did split into two separate projects down the line. One was for their BR and one was not. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, so they have a little bit of a, a checkered past there, which is actually very recent, really only like five years ago. But the first instances of, of uh, Battle Royale games came from mods of, again, like Minecraft and Arma 2, um, the most popular one being DayZ, a mod for Arma, which had a persistent sandbox style and included PvP encounters. Persistent world, persistent server, where you scavenged, where you built, you crafted, um, and you fought other people. 
and tried to survive, right? So this is early, early BR, um, I, I, about 2012, 2013 era. And the genre conventions that we know and love today were not quite yet established. You didn't parachute down and enter a lobby with 100 people and fight it out. Not quite yet. Uh, Matt, I want to ask you, what was your first introduction to a Battle Royale game? Shoot. You know, it's it's got it's to gotta be... You know, I'll tell you what it actually was. It was. My first introduction was probably going into the wilderness on RuneScape. <laughs> Is that BR? I don't know not if that's really, BR, no, though. Okay. It's a free-for-all. <laughs> um, now, honestly, it was probably not until... Um, after I graduated college, actually, so this would have been the first year after I graduated college, so uh, 2018 going into 2019, um, around that summer, and I guess probably late, uh, probably like my senior year of college as well, like late senior year, um, my roommates, uh, like my college house lived, and we all very much got into Fortnite, um, oh, so much okay. so that we had <laughs> we had two TVs that we'd have out in the living room, and we'd have two Xbox set up, and we'd just play like doubles and like all that stuff, like 24-7. Oh, wow. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't jump, you weren't playing PUBG with us back in 2017? No, I never really, I didn't have like anything that could run PUBG or like oh, until later. Neither on. did I. Yeah. I don't think anybody did. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about that. Um, okay. So Fortnite 2018-ish. That's uh, my first real introduction. Shit. And then I got into like Apex when that came out and I played some Warzone. Yeah. Um, that's really the only formal BRs I've played actually. Standalone BRs. Standalone right? BRs. Yeah. Yeah. The, the my I think many people's first introduction, I'm sure you would agree, is 2017 PUBG. PUBG, PUBG was huge. Yeah. yeah. PUBG was huge. Uh, people forget how huge PUBG was. It was massive for about like, I want to say eight months to a year there. It was just massive. Um, like until it was basically, it was the only BR we had back then. Um, it was cheaper than a retail price game. Um, it wasn't free to play. I remember that. I remember it was probably like 15 bucks, 20 bucks, something like that. Um, it was on Steam. I think it was technically early access when it came out. I can't quite remember. Dude, that but... was one of those games that was just in early access for like ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. And uh, it established pretty much all the genre conventions that we know and love today with BRs. Um, you parachute down. Um, it's a massive map. There's vehicles. You scavenge. Um, there was a lot of quality of life stuff that wasn't quite in play yet. Uh, you had to manually attach all your attachments on your guns. Um, it was third person, uh, played very, very differently from a lot of the games that we play now. Again, Fortnite, it's first person. Um, Apex Legends and Warzone are not. Sorry, Fortnite is third person. Warzone and Apex Legends are first person. So um, again, those games all play very differently. PUBG was a lot slower pace than a lot of these other games. Of course, there's no crafting. There's no building in PUBG. Um, but it was, uh, uh, awesome, big buggy third person mess, uh, that we played so much of seriously so much of, um, sound was huge in the game. I remember like, that was really cool to like have bombs go off or like kind of listen to people in like other buildings. It got really, really intense. Um, and it was very unforgiving. Uh, there was no way to kind of get back in once you got eliminated. It's difficult, uh, right? Yeah. It was difficult. Uh, it was hard. I only won one match ever. <laughs> uh, so it was it was a tough one. Uh, but PUBG was was awesome. I think that at a certain point, people got tired of the bugs. I remember with our particular playgroup while we were playing. Um, shout out to Matherin. 
uh, I remember he was on the second story of a building and got run over by a car that was outside somehow. <laughs> it, just, it just instantly died. Uh, and he, I think he pretty much uninstalled the game right then and there. And I, I think like it was pretty forgivable to deal with the bugs early on because it was really all we had. Uh, the servers were slow and um, it just wasn't quite there yet. But uh, I know that it's, it's gotten better over the years, but uh, other Battle Royale games have leapfrogged it and lapped it 100% a thousand times over pretty much. Um, PUBG is still played quite a bit though, um, especially its mobile version is actually played a ton and, um, it still maintains its legacy as kind of one of the, the, the BR that kind of brought us all, all in. Um, now it wasn't too long after that, that, um, Fortnite, Fortnite Battle Royale is released. Now Fortnite, Fortnite, we just call it Fortnite now, but Fortnite was originally a PVE team-based game where you built walls and built forts to f do a horde mode, like people would attack you and you would kind of hold off a horde. Right. Right. And then that that all was before Fortnite Battle Royale actually came about. Oh, and I remember it's survival mode. Yeah, I remember I downloaded Fortnite to play that mode. Somebody was like, "Oh yeah, it's like let's try this game out and like it looks cool. Let's try it out." And then somebody I remember mentioning was, "Hey, they came out with a Battle Royale mode. It's like PUBG. It's like." Is it really? Yeah, man, you can build, but like this one's way smoother than PUBG. It doesn't have any bugs. Like we should play that. I played that a little bit. That was pretty fun. It was a lot more arcadey and cartoony than Very PUBG. Very much so. Um, a lot more kind of wacky and fun. Of course, you can build. I remember when I saw that you had the ability to turn into a bush. I was blown away. I was like, <laughs> "Yo, this is OP." Um, I only have ever won one game of Fortnite. I'm not sure if you. Are, I'm sure you won a lot more. I've than won that. one, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Like okay. one individual one, some more in doubles, but on like a solo match, only one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, now, one thing that Fortnite was really instrumental, and in, we brought this moment in a little bit earlier, but uh, Drake and Ninja playing Fortnite, yes. and, and Ninja getting so insanely popular so fast that he literally was on like Jimmy Fallon, like. Like, not even that long ago. He was, like, like, mainstream A-lister status for a while. Yeah. Yeah, he legit, like, he has a clothing line, right? He got a clothing line at Target and, like, or Walmart or wherever. And, like, kids wear his shirts. Like, kids love Ninja now. And, like, it's crazy how he went from having a certain brand that was way different from the brand that he has now to kind of becoming more of a family-friendly, kind of universally appealing streamer. And kind of paving the way for a lot more streamers and a lot more viability in the space um, with something like Fortnite. You know, a lot of kids are playing it. It's free to play. It's downloadable on pretty much every single console, including mobile. And Drake and Ninja are playing Fortnite together. Wow, uh, this game is really, really popular. Um, broke Twitch streaming records. I don't know. I think those records still hold to this day. Um, millions and millions. I think I saw it was like 40 million concurrent viewers on that stream at once it's massive 40 massive million amount. uh yeah you want to you want to fact check, I wanna me fact on that, check one? that yeah keep talking <laughs> yeah <laughs> i could be wrong i could could have completely just made that up um so after fortnite you get an, a plethora of different games that have come about since then and the big games now i think that have really settled in is fortnite apex warzone and garena free fire um though the, that's the mo the biggest mobile uh, only uh br so how much was it Six hundred and twenty-eight thousand concurrent viewers 
Where did I get forty million? I don't from? know. <laughs> wow, I'm way out. Um, so, I mean, that's still a lot. I'm not sure if that's still the highest, but yeah, it's a lot. Are you sure it's, it wasn't six hundred and forty million thousand? It was definitely not in the millions. I, I would have remembered if it was in the millions. It was definitely not. Okay. Well, we'll we'll get somebody to fact check you later, but okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, so Fortnite, Apex, and Warzone, as I was saying, have really become uh, the real th- big three in terms of BR games now. But I mean, you got so many in, in the mobile gaming space. You have Knives Out, you have Garena, which have garnered a lot of attention, mostly in the Asian market. Uh, Nintendo has created three different ones, uh, with Tetris 99 being the very first one, which was meant to be um, just a limited run Switch online game, uh, and now has a permanent mainstay. Very popular game, super cool game, Tetris 99. Not sure if you ever played that, Matt, but... No, I never dug into that one too much. So that's one on the Switch, right? Sorry. Uh, yeah, that's the one on the Switch. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's literally Tetris Battle Royale. It's yeah, I played it remarkable. a little bit, but never really dove into it. Because I didn't have Switch it's... online. <laughs> oh, okay. It is, uh, it's insane how like cool that game is yeah. <laughs> honestly um Tetris 99 and then you also got uh mario 35 and you have pac-man 99 as well so there's quite basically every single game became a br game at a certain point uh counter-strike created a br game every moba created a br version hearthstone created a br uh version of itself uh around this time and um, yeah i basically, guess tft is kind of the battle royale version huh for like league and stuff right yeah, I wasn't sure if you'd call that BR or... That's its own genre, that. but also kind of... Auto BR-ish. chess. Yeah. The auto chess genre. Yeah. Oh, man. Nah, free for all is probably better to call... Oh, uh, yeah. BR is not the right thing to call that, I don't think. It is a last man standing, though. It is. Yeah. And I th- I think... Uh, I mean, just as a quick aside, and I know we I touched on it earlier about, like, we used to feel as gamers, die or respawn, kill, die or respawn, kill, and, and just that was your loop for about 15 minutes and you played a, a round in a game and that was it. And I think we've come a long way in terms of, uh, like, if you think about how brave these games are in the context of where we were at game design-wise about 10 years ago, if you went up to game designers in 2008 and said permadeath, online, online game, permadeath, a game developer would have gone like, no, that's not fun. People won't like that. You know, yeah. and like we've come a long way to where permadeath is like not winning is not necessarily the fun thing when it comes to games. And I think people really found that out where like I can play hours and hours and hours of a BR game. I could play all night with some friends, not win once and still have fun. And that's they really found something out where permadeath and not winning and losing a lot is not necessarily not satisfying what's satisfying is like just the fun times and like the the tension that's there and kind of overcoming some odds when the odds come up yeah and i can say that i had a huge apex legends uh kick when quarantine first started um at the beginning of last year and that was some of the best moments of quarantine for me uh was playing apex uh from a distance with a lot of my friends and it was just just a blast you know and there's some nights we won some nights where we didn't, but it was really, really fun. That's one I kind of yeah. want to dig back into, actually, is Apex. Yeah. I've heard I it's only gotten better, honestly. Yeah, Apex is great. It's it's just amazing. It's my favorite BR, easily, for sure. Um, all right, moving on. How popular, how much money do these games really make? 
I want to think at about least, it. At least 640,000. <laughs> at least 640,000. Yeah. Um, probably 640,000, you know, and it's just like, we'll, we'll oh, go yeah. that high. According to a 2018 Tech Crunch article, and this is this is already this is 2018. One year after Fortnite comes out, Epic announced that it had earned three billion in profit from Fortnite. A year after its first year, it's fucking gross. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. It's not revenue. Pulled, that's profit. That's profit. Yeah, they yeah. specifically say profit in this Tech Crunch article, which is really crazy. Um, according to Netbet. Call of Duty Warzone generates $5.2 million per day and has generated $1.91 billion in profit as of April 2021. Okay. Um, it's insane how much money these games make. And I, I don't know if I've spent... Maybe I've spent a little bit of money. I spent money on PUBG for sure. Um, Apex, I don't think I've ever spent any money on. Um, I haven't spent money on any of them. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I'm not sure if I have. I certainly haven't spent any money on Fortnite, but people are out there spending their money. And on top of that, it's the marketing that it gives it, um, the awareness. Uh, it's not just loot boxes, but, you know, tournaments, ad space. I mean, there's a number of different revenue sources for these companies. If you have a massive product that tens of millions of people are playing, there's so much you can do to go down um, pure revenue roads. Oh yeah, you know. So and there you got to know, you, you got to understand these companies. That is Epic and EA. They're going down all of these roads for sure. Now, I pulled up the EA earnings report. Um, actually, it's it's public information. People people out there, these companies are on the stock market publicly, publicly traded. traded. Yeah. They they have. Uh, obligations to their shareholders to share earnings and this is public information to be able to look at these kinds of things so if you want to google ea's earnings report for q4 you can or q you know q q1 2 3 4 from 2020 whatever um and this is a quote from blake jorgensen the ceo coo and cfo of ea says apex delivered its largest net bookings quarter on record it delivered the best day the best 24-hour period, the best week, the best month, and best in-game event. We suggested it would deliver over $1 billion in life-to-date net bookings by the end of the quarter. It actually passed that milestone within half of the quarter to go. Jesus. Fiscal 2021 was nearly double fiscal 2022. Now, I figure there's a, there's, a, there's a little bit of an asterisk here with earnings in video games because in 2021, most people were just at home. M many people were at home playing video games and spending a lot of time doing that. But for fiscal 2021 to be double fiscal 2020 is insane. Double Back to, year yeah. over year growth. Double year That's over incredible. year growth. Yeah. So from a business, business standpoint, like, Probably like, you know, 15% growth year over year would be incredible, right? Like 10% yeah. year. Like this is doubling dumb. your growth is just nutty. You got to figure if you're like a, if you're just an old investor, old guy investor that just doesn't play video games and like sees like this product made them double the money that the other product lot make the product again, make more, <laughs> like, like make, what is it? Warzone? make another one. It's, it's just like, so, so insanely profitable that it, it's like more, more, please. It's like, you got to figure it, EA is announcing this like 
every single resource now needs to be poured into this, yeah. right? It's just too much of a machine now. Um, I think it's insane. Um, and also, uh, just, just a fun quick fact here, um, I did find the earnings for tournament earnings uh, for the top 20 COD Warzone players um, in the, in 2021 so far. And I, I did share that with you, Matt. So the number one COD Warzone player in terms of earnings this year has been Aiden um, at $273,015.25. And that's just tournament earnings, right? You know, they're still making money on like their... Streams, Twitch stream stuff, audience, so. possibly merch, um, sponsorship deals, yeah. mm-hmm. all the regular stuff. Number two is rated um, at $220,755.26. Third is Tommy at $217,485.82. Moving all the way down to the bottom 20, um, bottom number 20, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, Sim- Symphony. F- Sim- <laughs> Damn. It's spelled it's spelled silly. It got me <laughs> real quick. Symphony making $82,600.01 just in tournament winnings. So, it's not just the the creators and the developers of the BR games that are cashing in right now. It is also the players, and that's just for Warzone. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not even talking about Fortnite earnings. Um, couldn't couldn't quite pull those numbers up just yet, but um, hopefully we we can pull them up later. Um, but the Fortnite earnings are probably similar, if not more, as well as the Apex earnings for tournament winners. Yes. So, pretty pretty insane. So, uh, what do what do you think of all of it so far, Matt? I love it and I hate it. <laughs> I think it's great that gaming's bringing in so much money in general. I think that's really cool to see. And that it's getting so much attention because of it. What I hate is that the money in gaming, unfortunately, really is around things like BR games um, and the larger, speaking more largely, just like kind of esports at general. Like the, these games, I can really like milk out these microtransactions and stuff, right? Because I don't know. When I, when I think of video games, for me personally, I don't think of, you know, the top three games that the streamers are playing right now, the top three BRs or anything like that, or the top three, whatever, like the Valorants. Um, I think of like Kingdom Hearts, you know, I think of the games we played for too. the podcast. I think of what we did, and that's a video game to me. And I mean, I'm not trying to like shit on the people that like milk and cash in on these. I mean, fuck, I would sure as hell be cashing on it too, I'm sure if I really could. But I can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that said, though, like I mean, I've been, I've enjoyed Apex when I played it. We've already made that very clear on this episode. I've enjoyed Fortnite when I played it. I just think it's a shame that like a lot of the mainstream attention goes to these things when there's like so much more to gaming than Fortnite or Warzone, right? Because yeah. you'll have like these content creators and streamers that are label themselves as gamers, and then all they play is like Warzone on repeat, you know? And yeah. This gets into a weird purist conversation, which I'm not sure how to like balance that without being a dick. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Like, just to give an opinion here, um, I feel very similar in that regard. Um, you know, we it, we like to watch streamers play video games, but really, we're watching streamers play five to 10 different video games, yeah. right? We're watching them play Warzone, Apex, Fortnite, where we might have like a Hearthstone streamer that we really like. We might have like, um, uh, like I'm trying to think of another game here. Um, and to be clear, I mean, some of these streamers, that, I will see them like branch out from time to time. Like I saw 
Well, Moist Critical Penguins Easier is actually a very big variety streamer anyways. Like, I saw him playing, um, you know, like, 12 minutes actually the other day. And then I saw, like, a, one of the other more relevant streamers playing 12 minutes too. So they'll branch out from time to time. But, like, the focus is around, like, these big multiplayer, like, BR or, like, whatever games. Yeah, it's like kind of the driving force of like a lot of audiences and a lot of streamers. Content creation around gaming. Content creation and things like Which that. Which is where and all the focus go, goes because that's where the money is. <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of just like a self-fulfilling prophecy where like this game is really great. I'm There's a lot of great games out there, period. I mean, does it feel any better to play Apex than it does to play, you know, <laughs> Brothers? Uh, it does. <laughs> does it feel, um, but uh, in all seriousness, like, you know, is do you get more enjoyment out of playing like, Red Dead Redemption 2 or playing Apex, right? Yeah. And what is more enjoyable to the audience? What's healthier for the audience? What's What creates a better, um, it's gonna sound very idealistic and kind of, I guess, sanctimonious and, or whatnot, but you know, what creates a more roundabout human being? You know, playing a, a game with a story, with linear, some, some linearity, or something that's just kind of pushing a competitive limit and getting you really stoked on like that guy that's really good at that game. Yeah. Um, and again, to be clear, just like Matt said, I love these games. I played a shitload of Apex uh, during the pandemic. Um, but you know, I also played the Talus Principle during the pandemic, and I would say that that game did a lot for me too. Played Banjo Kazooie during the pandemic as well, did a lot for me too. And um, I think that sometimes the the cash cow or the cash cow will always end up overshadowing. Anything that's that's unique or indie or small, and uh, to me that's just a little bit of a shame. Um, nothing that really can be done about. It, sort of just a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, but BRs are here to stay. Um, that's my firm belief. I think they're going to be here for the next. I mean, certainly minimum the next generation. Um, so PS5 uh, era, you know, is just it's all going to be BRs. You know, person there's going to be uh, another BR with. Uh, another twist on it, right? Because it became, when Fortnite came out, it was like, this is PUBG, but with building. Oh, okay, cool. And it has no bugs. All right, cool. Okay, now Apex. This is like Fortnite, but no building. And it's like Overwatch because you have like abilities and you have an ultimate. And oh, okay. Person. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, now this is Warzone. This is Call of Duty, but, pub, but, but BR now. So it's like, everybody kind of has their own little spin on it. And like, it's just going to continue to be like that. I think for the next five to 10 years, everyone wants a piece of the pie. Everyone wants a piece of the pie. And I predict that they're going to go a little bit of the route of like MMOs personally, um, where they're huge cash cows with a gigantic install base. Now, um, every studio is going to have their own, um, cause they already sort of do. Uh, and then five, 10 years down the line, uh, we're going to start feeling like a little bit of a reeling back um, because personally, I think that they will eventually, everything eventually feels a little stale, right? And I think people will feel a lack of innovation at a certain point because uh, there probably most likely will be a lack of innovation at a certain point. And whatever the, the next game genre that exists starts entering the main slot will take over from yes. BRs uh, later in the future. I remember a time when MMOs were, you know, the highest grossing biggest games, most most install base and things like that. I remember when Call of Duty had that title as well. And eventually, you know, the, the gameplay loop starts to feel stale. And to be clear, the games don't go away. You know, uh, people still play WoW to this day. People are still playing Call of Duty, mainline Call of Duty regularly all the time. Um, but they get criticized more these days. 
and people hate on those games more so these days. And eventually the hating on it becomes genuine unsubscription and uh, canceling and not buying. And that's when you start seeing the next game take over. So it'll be the same lifespan, I think, for BR games. Um, so right now we're in peak BR. I think we're, we're probably going to do a follow-up episode years from now to see where we're at. I'm sure the earnings will keep going up year <laughs> over year, which is no, very no. exciting for those companies. But I, I certainly hope that those companies, you know, they're investing a lot of resources into the next Fortnite concert, you know, um, teaming up with the next, um, I guess, Travis Scott, <laughs> whatever, Drake. Um Doing things like that and developing the game more and kind of pushing the limitations there. I mean, Fortnite has just outright become a pop culture like phenomenon. Like the crossovers in there, the Marvel thing. Um, I think they're doing other video game stuff now. Master Chief. I even right? I wouldn't even call it pop culture. It's just culture at this point. Yeah, Fortnite just is like a dominant cultural force, totally. And um, you know, we'll we'll see if it keeps going that way. Um, I'm sure it will at least again for the next five ten years. Um, but follow up with me then and, and we'll see how things go so that's sort of the short history of br games uh how we got to where we're at now um and kind of the the overall numbers on what we got right now as well yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how that all grows over the next you know several years and i agree i, I think that you know brs right now are at where like mmos were at in like the early to mid 2000s right just huge cash cows, people, everyone's playing them. This is the game you're playing if you're playing video games. And then we're going to be, you know, who knows what it'll be in 15, 20 years or 10 years. Maybe we'll have a longer period with BR, but I don't even know what the next step would be at this point, but it'll be interesting to uh, to see where things go, I think, because things are always evolving. You know, you know, people are always going to want to find, especially businesses too, they're always going to want to find ways to make new money, right? And then once... Once you start to see those, once, you know, EA and, you know, Activision Blizzard, once you start to see those profits, Epic Games, they start to see those profits drop a little bit quarter over quarter, then their their think tanks going to start saying, well, okay, what can we do to get back to where we were at before? What's the next game mode we need to make? What's the next video game in general we need to make? How can yeah. we better improvise our microtransactions? And, you know, I mean, you know, money, money causes, money's a big motivator for these companies and it causes them to evolve and, you know, obviously, you can be as anti-social or as anti-capitalist as you want, but at the end of the day, money is what makes th- these these companies' motivation to make money is what's making these games that we all love playing twenty-four-seven. Or vice versa, really. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I, the The money, everything's to serve the bottom line. Yeah, of these companies—they're not in the business of making games; they're in the business of making money. Yeah, that's just flat out the truth. And money, and the uh, games is just their vehicle to make money. Yeah, exactly. I. I just hope that there's resources going into other arms of game development too for these bigger guys. Um, you know, if if you take a hundred percent of the profit that you made in Fortnite and pour it back into Fortnite, you're just you're just making it the cash cow bigger and kind of putting all the eggs in one basket. I, I hope that Epic might do something a little bit different, maybe invest in some other studios, uh, give indie developers a chance, perhaps, um, or you know, start a new IP, do something different. Yeah. Um, which which is always which is always exciting and always really cool. So. Um, that's, that's, I think what, what, what could be a really great result. But for those of you out there playing BRs every single day, all the power to you. Um, I was certainly doing that all through the pandemic and it was, it was a fun time and, They're fun. Uh, They're a good time. yeah, having, having, uh, I think the social component really drives a lot of it too. So, um, if that's the way you keep up with friends every night for a couple hours, that's the way you keep up with friends for a couple hours Oh yeah, and, uh, keep having fun. 
Yeah. All right. Anything else you'd like to add today, Lucas? Uh, definitely check out the Ringer article on uh, Battle Royale, the film, influencing a lot of American pop culture now. Um, and there is also a Game Informer article, um, the short history of Battle Royales, albeit a little bit of an old article from 2019 now. Um, and uh, just talking about how we went from a mod um, to PUBG all the way to Fortnite. Uh, certainly some great, great supplementary material to check out here. Hell yeah. Love it. All right, everyone. Well, uh, as always, you know, shoot us an email if you want to chat. Thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. Check out our Discord. You can find it on thanksforplaying.live or you can go to our Twitter and Instagram. Uh, check out those handles at TFP Podcast. That's TFP Podcast with an S at the end. Then if you go to the link tree there, you'll find the invite link to our Discord. And as always, if you want to, you know, bounce some questions off of me, you know, chat with your old buddy, Matt, uh, maybe send me some hate mail. You can uh, find me on Twitter at GoodIdeaMatthew. Or you can also, you know, come uh, chat me up in the Discord. Maybe you think my purest video game takes are awful. That's fine. I'm willing to accept that. Uh, let's chat about it and come hang out. It'll be a good time. Lucas. Awesome. Yeah, if you want to hit me up on, uh, you know, DM me on Discord, feel free. Uh, join the Discord. At, you know, you can go to, like Matt said, thanksforplaying.live and find our Discord link there. Great place. Um, and yeah, hit us up. Shoot me a DM if you want to start talking about video games. Maybe you have a suggestion or you have a disagreement with any of the points I've made. I welcome them wholeheartedly. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can do so at goodideaLucas. Love it. All right, everyone. Well, thank you, as always, for listening. And remember, anything's possible. Thanks for playing as a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch, Red Circle, 